welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, a Hearts dedicated podcast, coming to you from myself, Laurie Dunsire, joined by Mark Donaldson for what is take two of this week's podcast. I thought the, the content we did yesterday for an hour and a half was some of the best stuff we've ever done, Laurie. <laughs> and no one will ever hear it, so this is an abridged version of of what we said yesterday due to gremlins in the system. <laughs> and, well, we analysed the Celtic defeat to, to death. We went into every little nook and cranny of what happened in that game. So we're not going to do that again because it was depressing doing it once. We didn't really, but we talked about it a little bit. So, obviously, Celtic did defeat Hearts 5-0 last weekend. Craig Levine came out afterwards. He said... You know, the manager was an idiot. He confessed that he got it all wrong. It was a terrible afternoon from start to finish. Um, I think what we basically said yesterday, Mark, was we're just drawing a line under this one. Yeah, and it wasn't. You asked me, um, and this is great. We're referring to someone or something that we did that no one will ever hear, including <laughs> ourselves. Hence, we're doing this. You asked me if there were any positives. There weren't, but there were things that we can learn. Um, Demi Mitchell being replaced at halftime um, for Ben Garuccio. That going forward, I think, has to be the case. And where we fit in Demi Mitchell will surely be further forward because Jake Mulraney didn't work. I thought Harry Cochran against some top players. Did not look out of place. I thought he was outstanding as well. Arnold Jume in the middle of the park is, is where he belongs. And Sean Clare, um, I think he'll be a good signing for Hearts, but I wouldn't be starting him just yet. I think we've seen in the chances he's had so far, he's still a little bit off the pace. That'll come. Craig Levine's admitted he's not quite there yet. Um, so a, a game like that where he he played, what, 73 minutes before Callum Morrison came on, that'll do him the power of good. But as I said yesterday... Callum Morrison has started seven games this season. We won the first six that he started. He drew, or we drew, against Hibbs um, in the other game that he started. He needs to be trusted to play in the games against Rangers and Celtic. We've got Rangers coming up at the start of December. He should start in that one. But before that, he's got to start against Kilmarnock. I think I'd mentioned as well in take one of this that Hearts have only won at Celtic Park nine times in the last 50 years so averaging a win every five and a half years or so so it doesn't happen very often but we are due one it's over nine years now since hearts have won at that ground and they certainly didn't come close to ending that at the weekend obviously looking at what we've learned and and i suppose what hearts can then move on and take into the next game which is kilmarnock uh, which is saturday at Tynecastle. um a big game for the Jambos against a side who have also been very good this season. They are so solid under Steve Clark. He's one of these managers who he certainly just seems to be getting the most out of every player he possibly can. And Kilmarnock you know, could have been in a position to leapfrog Hearts if they'd managed to hold on to that lead against Aberdeen. Um, but it's a game at home, Mark. And I, I think the, the things I was taking from it was looking at how we're going to approach that. And I want to see a 4-4-2 again, but I want to see a 4-4-2 with Mitchell on the left wing in an attacking role and Morrison on the right wing and Whiten starting up front against Stephen McLean because, you know, we've tried Sean Clare. He doesn't look anywhere near match fit yet. He, he might well turn out to be a good signing, like you said, um, but we're lacking options up front. We're certainly looking like we need something different up there. 
And although Craig Whiting is young, he's raw, he he lost his way a bit at Dundee, I thought he looked quite sharp when he played against his former club in the 3-0 Hearts win. I thought he showed a couple of nice touches and I think he certainly looks match sharp. And I would like to see him up front with Stephen McLean. Yep, with you on that. 4-4-2 will do me nicely. Um, Jim and Cochrane probably as the, the two in midfield, the central pair. I think Haring can get a rest because obviously we, we know he's got the ongoing um, medical issues, so he's going to need an op. Um, if they do play him, then if you're going two up top, I think you, you then have to play either Cochrane or Jim. Um, you've obviously got Lee, you've got uh, Bozanic as well. But for, for me, again, we've, we've said it on this podcast over the last few weeks, let the other team worry about us. Let's go with a 4-4-2, the two up top, McLean and White, and I'm happy enough with that. And your two wide players of, of Mitchell on one side and Morrison on the other side. And let Harry Cochran play in that, that slightly deeper role, like a diamond. So Cochran is, is the sitter and Jim pushing forward. I'd be happy enough with that. Kelly have only lost once away from home, and that was a really good game against Hibbs at Easter Road. Good test, but looking forward to it. And fingers crossed we can score our first goal in over four hours of game action. And one thing that you did mention in take one that no one will ever hear, which I thought was quite crucial to mention, is Hearts fans and just, I guess, everyone associated with the club in general just have a bit of perspective. Uh, obviously, it's never nice to lose 5-0. You know, there's no point in trying to, to say anything but that in terms of the game against Celtic. But we've played everyone in the league now. We've played Celtic and Rangers away from home and we've lost half our starting 11 to serious injury and if you'd give me all those scenarios at the start of the campaign but said at that point early November you'll still be top of the table would have bitten your hand off for that of we wouldn't have thought it even would be remotely possible and we have a there's no easy games but we have a kinder run of games coming up compared to what we've just had and um, Celtic don't play their game in hand they have over us, I think, till mid-December. And they've got some tough games as well. They've got Livy away, they've got Killy, they've got Hibs away in amongst a lot of European games. So, granted, they have a game in hand, but they still have to win that game in hand. And if we can start putting points on the board again, then you know that keeps us in that position and hopefully Celtic can slip up somewhere. I, I don't for a moment still believe that we'll win the league, in all honesty, but the longer you can stay up there and you know the tougher you can make it, I think it's good and at the start of the season you told me third place finish would have been delighted with that challenge for second would have been delighted with that so if that's how it transpires I, I don't think Hearts fans could be really too disheartened this podcast like Sesame Street is brought to you by instead of a letter by um, a phrase or two phrases, perspective is one of them and bigger picture is the other one. Um, Celtic will win the league probably by double digits. That's what I think. Um, I mean, I watched them against RB Leipzig earlier today. They're miles ahead of anybody in Scotland right now. Uh, I think our focus should be on um, Kilmarnock and Rangers and Hibs and Aberdeen, the teams that we want to keep at arm's length. As well, bigger picture, one point clear. Um, we're nearly a third of the way through the season. 
we will have been more than a third of the way through the season after the Kilmarnock game. And if we win it, we'll still be top. That's some achievement. Just a bit of perspective and the bigger picture tells a fine tale for us Jambos. Last time out, Mark asked listeners to give us their favourite worst Hearts teams. And uh, yes, this was memories from our teams themselves, the poor Hearts teams, but that you have fonder memories of. So we've got some feedback on this one. Um, Nick G on Twitter says his first three Hearts games after moving from Australia to Edinburgh were three dire nil-nil draws under... Laszlo around November of the 09-10 season. It says he somehow stuck around. The only moment of joy in those games was Akello saving a penalty against Dundee United and the first goal he saw was Gordon Smith against Hibs at Easter Road and that's uh, obviously younger Gordon Smith who never quite made it at the top level. Um, it was interesting thinking of Shaba Laszlo days because he was obviously successful relatively anyway in his first season in 08-09 but it was, even then, uh, let's be honest, a dire team to watch. Uh, Hearts managed to finish third in the table, scoring 40 goals. And to put that in perspective, Rangers finished third last season and scored 76 goals. And in that season, despite finishing third, we didn't manage to get a striker who scored more than twice. And <laughs> so Shabba Laszlo, he, he was an interesting guy, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I was at Talk 107 back in the day and uh, the managing director emerged from his office and shouted, who the hell's been calling Uganda? And there was silence, knowing <laughs> fine well it was me. And he's like, hey, I've had a telephone bill in for whatever it was, but it wasn't cheap. Who has been calling Uganda? So I put my uh, I put my hands up and I said, yeah, but I only got two or three questions in. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was, that, he was that type of guy. I've somehow got um, the fact that he was going to be the... The, or he was in line to be the next Hearts manager um, and phoned him uh, on his mobile, that, a number that I got from somebody, uh, one of my contacts, I think. And it was just on the off chance and didn't expect it to be his number, uh, didn't expect him to answer. My God, he answered and he, he didn't have talk. And I remember phoning David Southern afterwards and um, and said, any word on your new boss? Nope, nope, nothing, nothing at all. I said, well, I'll tell you then. It's Chaba Laszlo. How the hell do you know that? <laughs> and I said, I've just spoken. Well, I said, I've just spoken to him. I've just listened to him for nearly an hour. And he goes, bloody hell, that was meant to be Stum. So, yeah, he was an interesting character. His teams weren't that good, although Michael Stewart liked it because he could speak German. Um, my kind of two for this one about your, your kind of favorite worst hearts teams or memories of back to back games. I think we mentioned the Willie Jimison goal when we were talking about our memories of, of uh, Celtic games in years gone by um, when he scored right at the death and Tyne Castle was still being um, done mm-hmm. done up but uh, behind the goal there was the tarpaulin um, but it wasn't until we, we, we did our, our kind of uh, our infamous show yesterday that um, I didn't know that the 4-2 cup win over Rangers was the game before so we played that on the Monday at Tyne Castle and Celtic on the Saturday Beat Rangers 4-2 when um, big disco Dave McPherson went on a, a run upfield, um, having scored a goal and got a nosebleed because uh, he was that far up. And um, and we won that 4-2, but the next game was was against Celtic. It was the, the Tommy McLean era, which certainly is not fondly remembered. 
Yeah, Billy Steedman actually said, Tommy McLean's team knocking Rangers out of the Scottish Cup in 1994. Some really good players getting the life sucked out of them by wee Tommy. <laughs> and then he put yeah. hashtag thrush. And I don't understand what that what, what that is, and I'd rather I'd rather not go there. Um, February '95, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was fun and games. The whole Tommy McLean saga was just something that we can uh, we can gloss over. So yeah, it was it was fun. The the whole um, favorite worst Hearts team and and memories. We got a few responses to that. Yeah, David Aitchison and Ian Gordon both mentioned Stephen Frail Hearts teams, um, which again was. A bit of a, an interesting season, shall we say. One of them was a win at Pataudry when Christian Nadi's back pass, uh, intercepted a back pass rather, and uh, scored from that. And Jimmy Calderwood said he, um, he didn't take it well because Hearts only won because Nadi was too lazy to get back up with play, which probably wasn't far from the truth. And yeah. um, the other one was the 4-2 win over Rangers. Another one, 07-08 one though when the likes of Eva Skevichu scored and when Andy Driver was still um, a, a big thing, a, a, a big price tag on his head back then at Hearts. But but that season was one where we had Anatoly, Anatoly, is that going to be right? Anatoly Korobochka. Anatoly. Anatoly. Anatoly Korobochka. That, uh, that dude. Um, <laughs> and Stephen Frail. And there was a talk, I remember Stephen Frail brought out a few things that, there was problems with team communication and communication around the club, and quite a few people I don't think spoke English back then around Hearts. Oh, yeah, and I remember being at a press conference, and there was an answer from Korobochka was okay with his English; it was basic, but it was an Edward Malafeev um, press conference back <laughs> oh, no. in the day when when Janet, the translator, lovely girl who worked in the office, um, must have listened to an answer which lasted about two and a half minutes long. Um, and her response was something along the lines of, yes, he thinks that's true. And I'm like, well, you've just had all this answer. The other one, that, uh, again, uh, it was very difficult. I was convinced, well, I know Vlad spoke uh, English and, and said he didn't because I overheard him and I spoke to him in, in some English um, when we were out in Lithuania in Kaunas for an interview one day. But there was another guy um, who worked in the office. Again, how much English these people spoke um, you were always a bit wary that they, they knew a lot more than they let on. <laughs> but his business card was left on a table one day in the office when I was in doing an article or something um, for, I don't know if it was the Jambo or whatever magazine it was at the time. And it simply said Igor with his surname. And as his occupation, it simply said expert. Uh, it was <laughs> it was maybe best that we didn't find out what kind of expert he was because he was a shady character with a past I'm sure you would not want to delve into. That Google search history would be very interesting. <laughs> I mean, my favourite worst hearts team, which is a little harsh because of mitigating circumstances, but season 2013-14 when hearts were in administration, they had the 15-point deduction and obviously yeah. for, forced to play a lot of kids who would never have got to the first team at that point if they hadn't been in that situation and obviously it benefited a few players the Pattersons, the Nicholsons etc but at the same time there's a few players who didn't make it and although we had a little you know a little spark at the start of the season where people started to dream that we might somehow overturn the deficit that we had I think you know Gary Locke and the players he had it was always going to be an uphill task and 
we had that horrendous winter where we didn't win for more than two months and even goals started becoming scarce and there was a game at the end of January up at Dingwall and we ended that ter- horrendous run Scott Robinson scored and the celebrations were just crazy you would think we'd won the league or the cup that day and we all went out in Inverness afterwards and I just remember the songs going on into the wee hours the next morning um, of uh, no more points to go until we get to zero because <laughs> for the first time that season we didn't have negative points we actually had some <laughs> points on the board I think it maybe got us to two points or something and um, it was the small victories that season and it wasn't a good hearts team you know the bottom no. line is it wasn't but mitigating circumstances and I'll strangely always look back on that season very fondly because it was real solidarity and everyone stuck together despite the fact it wasn't good to watch and we went down and it was really always going to happen that campaign there was another um game which i just want to mention before we go on to this week's homework about your your favorite worst hearts team it's just a memory that sticks in my head and when i googled it i got a match report from the herald which i'm going to tell you a quote from joe jordan in just a second it was one of joe jordan's last games and it was away to Aberdeen and Nicky Walker got injured in the warm-up so Ian Baird went in goal. The, do you know what the team was actually all right. Um, Ian Baird obviously apart from the goalkeeper, Graham Hogg, Tosh McKinley, Craig Levine, Gary Mackay, Peter Van de Ven, John Robertson, Derek Ferguson, Ian Ferguson, Neil Berry and Eamon Bannon. That team shouldn't have been struggling like it was. Uh, they, Gary Mackay was always very coy when I did his book um, about the players chucking it, especially the Falkirk game, to get rid of Jordan. Um, I, th- I think ultimately they didn't try as hard as they could have done because those players are certainly better than they showed towards the end of the 93 season um, when Jordan left. But the quote which I want to give you, bearing in mind Ian Baird was in goal after Nicky Walker uh, injured himself in the warm-up. Hearts lost 3-2. They came pretty close. But... Um, Joe Jordan came out with this quote afterwards. He was asked, like journalists do, trying to get a positive from it. Ian Baird, tough game for him, but he did all right, didn't he? Jordan said, I suggest you look very carefully at the first and third goals. He blamed a striker for being in goal. That, to me, tells you that he probably lost the dressing room by that stage. Okay, well, we've fired through this... um shorter version of the podcast this week because the week's dragging on and this is take two so again apologies for it being a little briefer although given the result that this is on the back of people probably aren't too bothered that we haven't delved into that Celtic defeat too much before we go Mark I know you'll have some more homework for listeners for next time this week's homework comes with the title what might have been now This is players who were really good, then came to Hearts and didn't reach those levels, or were at Hearts and didn't quite reach the levels that they then went on to reach. Um, I'm not going to give too much away because I want to get your suggestions. The only two I'm going to give you, one, the obvious one I think is Maurizio Pinilla, who went on to do really well in Serie A. Um, and he, he just showed glimpses at hearts that he could be something special, but didn't stay around that long. The other one is, is simply because I want to question this person's age. When we first did this podcast yesterday, 
It was Larry Kingston's birthday. <laughs> now, if I said to you, now bearing in mind, Larry played from Hearts between 07 and 2010, okay? So that's 11 years ago to eight years ago he played for Hearts. If I said to anyone, what age do you think Larry Kingston is? I would guess the majority would say from 40 onwards. Apparently, yesterday, the 7th of November, Larry Kingston celebrated his 38th birthday. Now, I am not having that. I think there should be an opportunity to open Larry Kingston up and, like a tree, count the number of rings to see what age he actually is. He is not 38, but he would be another what might have been because he showed some signs at hearts when he could be arsed that he was a right good player, but he couldn't be arsed very often. So the what might have been 11 for hearts. Let's see what you can come up with. I'm going to have to title this podcast Larry Kingston's Ring now, aren't I? Um, <laughs> Goodness. I'm pretty sure Larry Ooh. Kingston was 38 when he joined Hearts, and now he's 38 now. Um, so yes, for next time, the the might have been players, as as Mark has explained, and we'll we'll go through that in a. A, a longer podcast. That said, maybe people will say, "No, this is fine. Keep keep it to this length." It was it was it was easier to go through. Um, but thanks for joining again, Mark. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, this is recorded this time. Hopefully, it's recorded this time. Uh, if not, then what I'll do is I will just put it out with just my bits because it's my voice is recording. It's just not yours. So <laughs> that's maybe best. It, it might be kind of strange, but you never know. I could maybe just dub something in from me to do your bits. Here we go. <laughs> I'll be here all night doing that. So anyway, thank you, Mark. Hearts play kill at the weekend. We'll speak after that. And hopefully the Jambos have found their scoring form and winning form once more. Indeed.